Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So like last week, we read about that rich young man who had gone to Jesus wanting to know what he should do to inherit eternal life. Clearly, that man was very religious. That's why he was so concerned about questions of eternal life. He knew the Ten Commandments by the back of his hands. So when Jesus told him to keep the commandments and mentioned some of them, the man was certain that he had kept them all. Kept them all. Indeed, he said he had kept them all from his youth. He had never deviated from them. Obviously, he was looking at the commandments as a checklist, just a checklist. That is why he could say without a doubt in his mind that he had kept all of them. Jesus did not argue with him about the meaning of each commandment. He simply issued a challenge to the man. He told him that he lacked one thing and that he should go and sell everything he had, give the proceeds to the poor, then he would have treasure in heaven, and then he should come follow him. Perhaps it occurred to you that even if the man sold everything and gave to the poor, that would still not be enough to give him eternal life. What is enough to receive eternal life is to follow Jesus. Now, even though when Jesus told the man about the commandments, he did not even mention the very first commandment about not having other gods, that is what he implied. And the man's response gave the true indication of where his heart was. In his case, money was his God, and he hadn't even realized it. Jesus has a way of bringing things out of people where their true heart is, whether good or bad. Mark tells us that a man went away very sad because he had great possessions. After the man left, Jesus said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. He made a second statement to them after they had been so astounded by the first statement. He said, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. Before adding, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know exactly why what Jesus said about wealthy people not being able to enter the kingdom of God, that shocked the disciples so much. I don't even know if any of them was rich. Maybe Matthew, being a tax collector before he was called, would have been wealthy. He did throw a big party after Jesus called him to follow him. Peter and Andrew ran a fishing business, as did James and John. So maybe they too had some money. But it doesn't seem likely that they were wealthy, given that they did not have enough money to, follow, to feed the crowds that were following, him, following them. And when Jesus had sent them on a mission to villages and towns to heal the sick, cast out demons, and proclaim the good news, he had asked them to depend on what people would provide for them. Peter said they had left everything and followed Jesus. So at this point, they were poor. And still, they were not sure that they would inherit eternal life. You get the impression that they believe that being wealthy is a great sign of a great blessing from God. After all, some of the most well-known characters of the Bible were wealthy. 
You might, in fact, say that those characters were mega-rich billionaires. Think about Job. He had 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female servant donkeys, and very many servants. He is described as the greatest of all people of the East. That's God's blessings right there. Somebody might say today, it's all about the money. That's where the blessing is. So for Jesus to tell the disciples that this man who knew the commandments really well, that he needed to give away everything to the poor and come follow him to inherit eternal life, well, that was truly shocking. Jesus said it would be harder for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Last week, Laura Lee used a needle in the children's message to show what Jesus is saying, and we just heard it this morning from Yeva as well. The children knew, and you know as well, that it is impossible for a camel to enter through the eye of a needle. So it is hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. If you are not rich, you love this passage. It's the rich guy's problem. You don't have to go sell everything you have to make your life comfortable. You don't have to sell everything and give all to the poor before you can follow Jesus and inherit eternal life. It is true that having a lot of money can come between you and God. There is something about wealth that can negatively influence faith. It may lead to pride because you don't need to depend on anybody for anything. When you can buy whatever car you want, whenever you want, when you can buy mansions and fill them with all the luxuries you can imagine, when you can buy your own airplane, even your own private island, you may not see your need for God. If you can picture it, you can have it. You can have it custom made for you. You can just take things easy, nothing to worry about. But then if something happens and you lose your wealth, your life can be miserable. You probably know of some wealthy, famous wealthy people who went bankrupt and their lives became miserable. Being aware of this, the rich do everything they can for that not to happen. That might mean that they can spend all their time thinking about their money and how they can maintain it and keep it growing. The rich might think that going bankrupt is the worst thing that can happen to them. So you can well imagine that the rich young man who came to Jesus had images like that flashing through his mind at the thought of giving away all his wealth to the poor. His life would be miserable if he didn't have money. But now that he had heard from Jesus and still went away sad, his life would probably be even more miserable. Thankfully, it is not all rich people who allow their wealth to rule them. Many are generous with their money. They give to the poor. They give to organizations that help the needy in society to help alleviate suffering. There are many wealthy people who have faith. They believe in God. They are faithful Christians. Their wealth does not come between them and God. Even in the Bible, Joseph of Arimathea, who went to Pilate, 
to us to take down the body of Jesus from the cross and bury him in his own brand new tomb will be considered wealthy. Zacchaeus, the tax collector, who upon meeting Jesus pledged to give half of his property to the poor, and if he had defrauded anyone of anything, that he would restore it fourfold, was a faithful person. Abraham was extremely wealthy, yet he is described as the father of faith. It may be hard for the rich to enter into a faithful relationship with God, but it is not impossible. Jesus did not tell the rich young man to go sell everything he had and give to the poor and come follow him as a general requirement for all rich people to become financially ruined before they can follow him. Jesus himself lived on the generosity of well-to-do people. You can think of Mary and Martha. Still, the disciples were astonished when they heard Jesus say it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. In their astonishment, they said to each other, who then, who then can be highly considered to be blessed because they were wealthy, can hardly be saved, and how can anyone else be saved? In other words, if the rich can't be saved, then who else is saved? The conclusion they reached about this incident was that it was impossible for anyone to be saved. Without saying it, they themselves were questioning if they had been saved. They were astonished, not only because their beliefs about God and the rich had been shattered, but now they were wondering about themselves. They were poor. And what they are hearing Jesus say is that the poor are not automatically saved simply because they are poor. If wealth can be an obstacle to having faith and following Jesus, so can poverty. If you are poor, you can spend all your time trying to figure out ways of making money just to get by. And that constant effort your mind is making can block you from believing that God loves you can also be hard for the poor to be saved. So maybe, maybe you are neither rich nor poor. You are in the middle, you are in the middle class. So what about the middle classes? Are they saved simply by virtue of being middle class? No, that doesn't cut it either. Being in the middle doesn't make you any more likely than others to believe in God. You, might, you want to make sure that you don't fall into poverty. You are juggling all you need to do to make you maintain your class or to go to a higher level. Because if you fall to the next lower level, it will be too hard for you. Life will be too hard for you. You don't know how you're going to manage. A certain stable lifestyle you have attained may have to change if you now fall into the poor class. What the disciples did not say out loud to Jesus, Jesus said for them, it is impossible for anyone to be saved. Rich or poor or middle class, it doesn't matter. Earlier on, after Jesus had said that it is easier for a camel to enter through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God, he had then stated without qualification, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. That applies to everybody. But what is impossible for anyone to do to inherit eternal life, regardless of wealth classification, Jesus has done. He has done it. 
without placing a demand on you that you can never live up to. He, out of his own volition and his unmatched kindness and love for you, came down from heaven to this earth. Yes, to this earth with all its troubles and confusions and inequalities. Yes, to this earth where we don't always treat all people equally, where we sometimes place our confidence in the things we have. And he gave his life for us, really. He came to this earth from his own place of perfect comfort and peace and joy to come and live among people, who, people who do not always get along, people who are caught up in ways they can survive in this world in which I is king. And he did not feel ashamed to live here. Although he was God in the flesh, he allowed people to approach him. He even allowed people who disagreed with him to confront him and accuse him of being evil. He persisted in what he had come to do, to do the impossible and save you and me. The Lord, over death, allowed himself to be crucified, and he died. But death could not hold him. What he had promised the disciples again and again that must happen on the third day of his death happened. He was raised from the dead and he lives. He's alive forevermore. If you think about what he has done for you, rich, poor, middle class, without any contribution whatsoever from you because it is impossible for you to do so, the only thing you can say and need to say is thanks be to God. Thanks be to God that even though we just messed everything up, he pushed through and has made us children of God. Thanks be to God for his mercy. Even though we are still imperfect followers, he keeps his promise never to abandon us. And when he comes again according to his unbreakable promise, we will see him as he is, ever living ever-loving, even more wonderful than we imagine him to be. Thanks be to God. Amen.